What goes up? Boy, Marie! Boy, Strictly American. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie, and thank you for tuning into episode 158 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. And welcome to 2024. I'm looking forward to an exciting season four of the show. Here's a great compilation disc to kick off the new year and season. It's one of my dad's favorite trumpet players, who is famous for playing my dad's favorite kind of music, Dixieland. In fact, Al is known as the king. But he also played some straightforward instrumentals that the critics complained about. Not only will you hear some of both those styles on this best of album, you get to hear them with a full orchestra and with one of the most famous sex symbols and actresses of the 1960s and beyond. So, get ready to hear a musician hailed as a one-man trumpet section in volume 158, Hurt So Good. It's Al Hurt with Java, written by Alan Toussaint, Alvin Tile, and Freddie Friday. It was taken from the album Honey in the Horn, released in 1963. Now, of the 21 times Al Hurt was nominated for a Grammy Award, this was his only winner, bringing home the gramophone-shaped trophy in 1964. 
Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, I really wanted to start out the new season with some of that high-tempo, energetic, exciting music that my dad liked to listen to most. I'm awfully glad he and my mom got to experience the Dixieland scene in the city of its birth a couple of times. This will be the third of four Al Hurt albums from my dad's collection. You can tell he was a big fan. And I'm a big fan of Hurt's as well. I've mentioned before that I often played the 45 RPM versions of Alley Cat and Fancy Pants on the record player in the basement of the house I grew up in, and I often perused my dad's single collection as a matter of fact. I think you'll enjoy the great mix of tunes on this best of record. Now, not only did Al work well in the small jazz ensemble, he also shined in front of full orchestras, as you'll hear next. Stranger in Paradise, from the Broadway musical Kismet, written by George Forrest and Robert Wright, taken from the album Trumpet and Strings, released in 1962. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Al Hurt, 
the best of Al Hurt. On the RCA Victor label, number LPM3309. It's a vinyl LP compilation reissue mono format. Released in 1965, its genre is jazz, and its style is Dixieland. Now, the conductors of the orchestras and choruses were Billy May, Henri René, and Marty Pache. We will hear eight of the 12 songs on this album. They are very short, and so are the liner notes, so I will read them all. Hailed as a one-man trumpet section, Al, he's the king hurt, has earned all his impressive accolades. Although he's been acclaimed as one of the greatest exponents of Dixieland, Al refuses to be stamped in one groove. His range is as impressive as his dimensions. In fact, after making his mark with the big swinging sounds, Hurt hefted the trumpet oh so gently and blew his way into a whole new career with a bit of java served as honey in the horn. The demand for seconds was met with cotton candy and sugar lips. A native of New Orleans, Al studied at the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Not only can he blow up a storm in a nightclub and hypnotize a TV audience with his trumpeting aplomb, Al can also handle the classical bit, as he's proven many times. He's guested often with the New Orleans Symphony Orchestra, and his recent appearance with Arthur Fiedler and the Boston Pops resulted in Pops Goes the Trumpet. Now, in this RCA Victor collection, the best of Al Hurt, Al's fabulous trumpet soars in everything from Dixieland Delighters to Honeyed Horn Sweets. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. It's only been sold on that website twice. One for $6.94, the other for $1.12. That makes a $4.03 average and median. It last sold on April 30th, 2022 on that website for that $1.12 low. I found a couple of copies on Amazon in the $5 and $6 range. I found them on eBay from $6 to $8, except uh, one copy that was priced at $52.95. My dad's record is in fair condition. Most of the crackling and popping is between songs and the beginning of each side, uh, but mostly it's pretty clean. There are pretty much the normal wear marks from sliding the record in and out of the cover, but not much more than that on the record surface itself. The cover is also in fair condition. Again, there's normal wear on the front from rubbing against other albums in the stack. The spine has some severe wear, but no tear. Uh, for some reason, my dad has two address labels on the front, not one under another as usual when there might be two, but one on the top right and one on the bottom left. The latter is the older of the two. Usually that's the one that's covered when he has two. The word posted is stamped on the back just on top of the green magic marker streak, a normal position for that. So I will value my dad's vinyl at two bucks. Up next, <laughs> here's another trumpet player who tries to sing. Some fellas have a heart meant just for fooling around with chicks. And in that love department, they know all the latest tricks. Now I ran across a boy one day, just as wild as any boy can be. And he wasn't surprised when I would say that he meant the world to me She said I was the best man Who ever knocked on her door That's right A 
said he was the best man, the fellow I had waited for. And you know what else? She said I was the best man at dancing, and nobody can deny that when it came to romancing, he was the A plus number one guy. Yeah, but then she met my best friend and knocked him right off his pins. But still he wasn't worried, 'cause the best man always wins. Not always. The way it all turned out, there was no doubt that he was best man in the end. Yes, I was the best man. She married my best friend. It's Al Hurt and Anne Margaret with The Best Man, written by Fred Weiss and Roy Alfred. It was arranged by the conductor of the orchestra, Marty Pache, taken from the album Beauty and the Beard, an entire album he did with Anne Margaret, released in 1964. And thanks to YouTube, I was able to listen to this whole album he recorded with this sex symbol. I'm still not sure how I feel about Hurt singing, but he gives cool aside commentary and some special trumpet soloing throughout the music. It's a playful recording, so give a listen to Beauty and the Beard if you get a chance. I will say I became a big fan of listening to Anne Margaret when I did. Okay, we've covered much of Al's early professional life in episode 48 and continued his story in episode 119, so I'll do a quick review of his life courtesy of his obituary from The Guardian. Alois Maxwell Al Hurt, born November 7, 1922, was an American trumpeter and bandleader. Hurt was probably the best-known trumpeter in the United States for a brief period in the 1960s, better known even than Louis Armstrong and Miles Davis. A virtuoso whose big, amiable sound and soaring energy appealed to a far wider public than the jazz cognoscenti alone. Hurt was also a brass player's brass player. Fellow trumpeters were 
awestruck by his power and flexibility. Hurt was a man who could have made a creditable fist of playing in almost any style. He even made a classical record, but it was the New Orleans-derived Dixieland style of jazz that had his heart. A deft opportunist, too, he hit on a saleable combination of the jaunty, open-handed Dixieland approach and even more punter-friendly music, country. Hurt recorded with Anne Margaret and the country guitar star Chet Atkins during the 1960s and had big commercial success including the hit Java in 1962. And though diehard fans tended to dismiss Hurt's work as the kind of cozy neutering of the tradition that obscures the music's essence, his affection for it and understanding of its roots often produced better jazz performances than he was credited for. Hurt had taken up the trumpet at eight and was later inspired by being present at the legendary Benny Goodman 1938 Carnegie Hall concert. He went to the Cincinnati Conservatory, performed with the New Orleans Symphony Orchestra, worked with the Dorsey Brothers, formed a band with Pete Fountain in 1955 that built a countrywide following, and made a career breakthrough when he signed with the record label Audio Fidelity in 1958, promoting the latest Dixieland revival. The company was determined to turn the eager, popular, bright-toned trumpeter into a cult and effectively did just that. In 1960, Hurt was running his own New Orleans club, was playing constantly, and was signed to RCN, a long-term deal that led to the crossovers with country stars and the broadening popular appeal of his music. Hurt died of liver failure at the age of 76 on April 27, 1999, after having spent the previous year in a wheelchair due to edema in his leg. Okay, I know we just had several, but time now for another holiday.
spinning my dad's vinyl. from the musical Can Can, written by Cole Porter. That was taken from the album Al, He's the King Hurt and His Band, released in 1961. Before that was Holiday for Trumpet, written by Mario Ruiz Armengol. And that was taken from the album Horn Plenty, also released in 1962. Okay, time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with Hurt's migration through different musical styles. Hurt known for his infectious Dixieland jazz style, found himself under the scrutiny of critics as he shifted towards a cleaner, more polished sound on several album releases. Hurt's early career was marked by his exuberant and energetic approach to Dixieland jazz, a genre deeply rooted in the lively and improvisational spirit of New Orleans. His brassy, vibrant trumpet playing became synonymous with the joyous chaos of traditional Dixieland ensembles. 
However, as Hurt transitioned towards a smoother, more honeyed sound, some critics accused him of selling out to a more mainstream audience. The Dixieland style, with its raucous ensemble playing, intricate improvisation, and often raw, unfiltered energy, stood in stark contrast to the cleaner and more polished approach that Hurt began to adopt. Some purists argued that he was diluting the authenticity of the Dixieland tradition in an effort to appeal to a broader, perhaps more commercial audience. The spontaneous, almost rough-around-the-edges charm of Dixieland was seemingly replaced by a more refined and accessible sound, leading to accusations of departure from his roots. Hertz's evolution and style sparked debates among jazz enthusiasts about artistic integrity and the delicate balance between innovation and tradition. While some appreciated his versatility and ability to explore different musical territories, others felt that the shift represented a departure from the lively and untamed spirit that defined Dixieland jazz, leaving them nostalgic for the unbridled energy of his earlier work. In interviews, he often emphasized his love for music in its various forms and his desire to connect with a broad audience. Hurt acknowledged that his musical tastes and influences evolved over time, and he was open to experimenting with different sounds. It's important to note that musicians, like any artists, can face a degree of criticism when they deviate from their established styles or embrace new directions in their work. While Al Hurt may not have explicitly addressed accusations of selling out, he did express a commitment to creating music that resonated with people from different walks of life. It's likely that he saw his exploration of different styles as a natural part of his artistic journey rather than a compromise of his artistic integrity. So here are two more of that honeyed sound. In fact, extra sweet.
spinning my dad's vinyl. There was Sugar Lips, written by Billy Sherrill and Buddy Killen, taken from the album Sugar Lips, released in 1964. And before that, we heard Cotton Candy, written by Russ Damon, taken from the album Cotton Candy, also released in 1964. Sort of a sugar-coated double shot. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. I really like how this album mixes the two styles Hurt was popular for so well. I also like the couple of live tunes on the record. I had played two of the songs from this album in previous episodes, so I made sure I didn't duplicate any in this one. I also wanted to add this tidbit I had found during my research. I think it's a passage that truly describes the musical prowess of Hurt. Quote, To those used to the cultish antics of Mr. Hurt in his customary Dixieland role, it may have seemed strange to see him stand, the soul of dignity, and primly perform Haydn's trumpet concerto in E-flat. But the trumpeter appeared right at home with the orchestra, and he dispatched the three movements of the Haydn composition with assurance and precision. That was part of his obituary in the L.A. Times, written by John Thurber and Myrna Oliver. Dixieland music was a great example of the great, fun music we grew up with and my dad collected. I will always be appreciative of being able to listen to the same music he did. And I just remembered listening to another Al Hurt single in the basement at home. It was his rendition of Hello, Dolly. All right, let's finish with Al's strength live from one of the world's biggest annual parties. (laughs) 
Where else would you find one of these at this time of year? Bourbon Street Parade, written by Paul Barberin. It was from the album Al Hurt at the Mardi Gras, released in 1962. And there you have selections from the musical journey of the trumpet player they called The King. So thanks for tuning into Volume 158, Hurt So Good, However You Did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for Volume 159, Those Were the Days. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) 